If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not go to a pub at all. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, well, I'd say Peroni as well. Uh, good evening and welcome back to Four Blades in a Pub. And um, once again, uh, we've had a bit of time to stew on um, not a happy result of the weekend against Leeds. And I'm joined tonight by Ian. Good evening. Philip. Good evening. Dan. Hello, everyone. And That's I'm John. last week. <laughs> and I'm John, as we know. Uh, and we lost to Leeds, and that's rubbish. But we're going to try a different way of looking at the game. And we've all picked um, a negative, and we've all picked a positive. So, Dan, do you want to start with a negative? With the negative? I know we were trying to keep this pod to an hour. Um, so I could go off on a lot of them. Um, I'll try and be as I'll try and be as as objective as this as I can. We're not getting any any sort of rubber the green at the minute. We're not getting any sort of look, and I, and I don't want to. I think I might have just stolen Phil's thunder there. I do apologise. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll go into one of my other negatives, which is we've not addressed the issue of lack of creativity from last season and I get we're after a striker I, I, I get we're after a striker because at the minute our strikers aren't going to score enough goals to to kind of get the results we need however I think it possibly goes deeper than that and we we need some we need some creativity from somewhere our side are a very we're all very the, the good solid players. The midfielders are good. They're all good on the ball. They're all good in the tackle. They're all good at holding the shape. But we've not got anyone that can do something out of the ordinary. And I think that's a, a bit of a gap in the transfer policy this season that we've not addressed. And is I that some? Is that someone playing the number ten role for you then? Dan? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I suggested on Twitter last week because someone was saying where do they fit, and I mean, I'm, I'm not advocating a massive change of shape, but I just wonder if you you look at a lot of the top sides now and. We play with two up front, and I know that's one of Wilder's big, big things. We play with two up front. I just wonder if it's possibly time to go with one up front and one dropped it, dropped properly in behind. So not like two strikers, one up, one off. An actual, like an attacking midfielder. So you still keep the three in the middle of the park, but you drop one of your strikers in and play, you know, swap them for an attacking midfielder. Someone who can, who can drop deep, who can... Who can just create something out of nothing, like like a Mark Duffy, only a Premier League standard Mark Duffy. I know that. Yeah. I know that's I not easy. They don't grow on trees, but so they don't they don't grow on trees. But someone at work made an interesting comment to me on Monday morning. And they said, "Do you think Berger could play in that number ten role?" I don't I, think. I don't so. think no. And, and their, their theory, I'll, I'll share their theory. Their theory was that his abilities is technically gif gifted he's strong on the ball he'd pick up that second ball link up play and he might open things up on the edge of the box because he's probably the most technical player we've got and i disagree but i just thought i'd throw it in there as like you say they don't grow on trees i understand what he means yeah i get the point uh, is, is there a coincidence that wild has mentioned david brooks today in an interview yeah i mean he's he's, he's exactly what we need you, you imagine him with the side we've got now with Berger, Fleck, Lundstrom, Norwood, 
you know, put many three from four in that midfield, and then someone like Brooks sitting in between him and whoever it is, whether it's Brooks, whether it's someone that's already at the club, whether it's Ryan Brewster, whoever. I'd love to see Brooks play off McBurney. I think he'd be brilliant because if you think about at Hillsborough when we won four two in that game when Brooks burst onto the scene, if you will, all Clark did was just create the second ball. He didn't even necessarily win the header that Brooks was picking up in the pocket. Right, McBurney, who actually does win those battles in that final third, and often Sharp's like wheeling off somewhere around the corner, nowhere near him. I think that would be really interesting. And I don't see any reason you couldn't potentially structure a loan deal, which then results in a buy-in on various things, or even just a loan for the season where they get the wage covered, a bit of money. I'm interested. Why did Wilder mention Brooks? Did he get asked about him or did he did he raise it? Because I've I've seen the quote, but I don't know what context it was in. Same. I've seen an, I've just seen a newspaper article. I don't know where it came from or whether right. it was part of the question or what. I don't know. I, I wonder if I wonder if it is. I know you say we're not going to take a sledgehammer to our, our shape and, and Wilder likes certain things, but so much so much of the Premier League plays four three three or a form of four three three. Yeah. And I wonder now whether O'Connell being injured and obviously there's a need to bring somebody in, although I did think Robinson played well Saturday, uh, Sunday, by the way. Um, yeah. Could this be an opportunity to go and match teams up with a 4-3-3 and having a proper number 10 and still retaining the number the, the, the two up front, possibly? Yeah, possibly. So almost like a 4-3-1-2. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or almost like a, a four and then a diamond and two. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, 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 possibly. Um, it, it, it's interesting, isn't it? There's, I'm not sure a Rian Brewster, if that's who we're going to be signing, scores on Sunday against Leeds. Our chances fell to John Lundstrom, who should have scored, I should say, as good a save as it was. Yeah. Um, George Baldock, who was just a good save, and McBurney Stroke Robinson. Not one of them fell to a poacher right. or a. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's yeah. it's difficult. It is difficult because by rights we created enough chances on Sunday to win that game. We yeah. just didn't take them. Yeah. yeah. By who so they just, fell to, should yeah. I say? And this is why, like I say, I think possibly our lack of goals goes deeper than just you know a panacea of we ju- we, we need a striker. I think it's possibly a little. There's a little bit more to it than that. So so, so my negative, which kind of then I guess links to that in one respect is that it's that it comes back to your point. I think the supply line is what's lacking. And I think I saw a start and I think we dropped after the completion of all the weekend fixtures, but with something like the second highest number of crosses put into the box from of any side in the in the Premier League. Yep, what are we getting from those crosses? And it's we've we've said for so long, final ball, final ball. We've we talked a couple of weeks ago on here about, you know, Great to see Baldock getting into those positions. Cross, not good enough. And and to me, that that is a key part of our supply line. And, and that, maybe that comes back to your point about changing the formation. Because at the minute, the way we're playing, that supply line isn't putting a good enough ball no, into the box. Could that be a personnel thing? And could that be personnel that we've got within the club? I've not obviously not seen enough of Bogle, but is Bogle's final ball better than Baldock's in that position? If... If what you read, well, what I saw of him the times I've watched Derby, and you read his stats, it would suggest so. But then 
it is again it's a a different team different setup and a, a step up in, in level it's so interesting it's not been on the bench at all yeah isn't it in the league mm. yeah very odd and, and and like you say given the weak weaknesses of the of the wing backs i mean it, maybe you know you can argue we maybe lose a little bit when Flex not in there, but I mean Lundstrom was getting in good positions to put the cross in. You know, we've we've got players, Osborne was on set pieces. We've got players who can put a ball in or we or we'd utilize, you know, in certainly in dead ball positions. It's uh, just for me at the minute, we we're not scoring goals. And it, like you say, is it the quality to open up a team on the edge of box? Is it not making the best of the way we play? Is it as well though, like we know we've got players who were but like the clubs that we're up against now have players who can do have a bit more flair. So for example, the the Osborne in the lat like literally in injury time had the opportunity to play it into Sharp. So say Villa in that situation now, and it's not not comparing like to like and it's not not no disrespect at all to Ben Osborne when I say this. But Barkley's just got a bit more about him that he might see someone arriving late. He'll actually connect the pass to Sharp. And we're just missing that like, next level of player in a couple of positions. And if you think about the games we've had, Leeds, I thought they were very good at their game plan and it worked really well. Defend deep, but then move through the move through the thirds really quickly. And I thought Stuart Dallas was amazing. Like he was like for someone who's never played in the Premier League before. He looked absolutely brilliant. He looked me he looked he reminded me of like end of last season when it like, how's he doing this? How can you play at this level? But the point I'm trying to make is I just think we are missing that and I don't know if it is Bogle and Low, but that next quality level player to be able to make something from nothing and do it consistently as well. I just don't think we've got that personnel, apart from Berger. So I'm agreeing with you, Ian, with a two-minute rant about various things, basically. Which is <laughs> good. I like agreement. But yeah, it, it, that's a really... It, like, basically, what I think I'm saying is I don't think the players are good enough. In, and, in some of them, and you're right, some of them aren't. I mean, you've just compared Barkley to, to Osborne then. And Barkley's... In fairness, I think that's a great bit of business by Villa. And Villa should be... Villa, with the signings they've made this season, they should be nowhere near the bottom bottom six. They should be they should be pushing for top eight with the signings they've made this season. But if you're comparing Barclay, you're looking at a top a top six, top eight Premier League midfielder and Ben Osborne, who alright, he does well when he comes in as a stopgap and I'm sure he's a lovely lad on social media. But if we're honest, he's a championship plodder. If we're if we're absolutely honest, he's a championship standard midfielder. So that's what we're up against. Exactly. And and when you say about the, the crosses, Ian, I think I'm going to mention it in my next bit. My negative is obviously the quality of the finishing. Because it can't be all to do with the delivery. It has to be to do... Now, I'm not going to criticise Baldock's effort on Sunday because I thought he did very well to get himself in that position and he couldn't have hit that any better. That's going in the top corner and stanchion. But the keepers managed to save it. I think Lundstrom should score. And I said before we came on air that I just feel like he almost hits it too well. 
if he bundles it towards the goal, it flies in or scuffs it, it'll go in the roof of the net. It's just so frustrating. But I just think the finishing's not good enough. But one thing I would like to say about that, when you're a striker, you need to know you're playing. You need to feel the love. You need to feel that you should be in the side. So, for example, go through our strike force. Obviously, Moose is injured. McGoldrick got ragged off at Villa, so he couldn't get going. But that's not really anyone's fault. That was just a victim of circumstance. McBurney in and out of the team. Burke's been literally like on the scrap heap playing in Spain, so he's nowhere near ready to go. We've got players who might be capable in that position who are just... It's just not up to speed. Like McBurney only played once pre-season, didn't he? He was out for the second yeah. two pre-season, two or three pre-season yeah. games. So we've got, we've got, we've got these. I'm saying the finishing's not good enough, but then there's no, there's no form. Lacking of, sharpness, aren't they? They're lacking match sharpness, aren't they? Yeah. Not to mention we've been knackered from last season as well, still. Mm. And every club's got the same problem, and. We've got to hope that this sort of Ryan Brewster, I don't want to call it obsession, but it's turning into a bloody modern-day football version that Lord of Rings. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. Like, let's hope it reaches a conclusion soon. Because if Sunday passes and he's not come in, that's another game down where he's not had a chance to play. Even, you know, In a way, you want Brewster playing as soon as possible if we get him to have a quiet game or two against the harder opposition. So he can, you know, I mean, and it, I just think, that, I just don't think the finishing's been good enough. But then I also have a bit of sympathy because I don't think there's been the consistency in selection or there's just been issues which have prevented them being fit. I don't know what you all think about that. Well, I think the, the point you're making kind of... Um, it kind of lends itself a little bit to the point I was making and... and yeah, Dan, you did start sort of going down the route that I was going down as well at the start there. But All right. it, and it, it, to be fair, I am pinching something that you've started talking about on Twitter recently. And it's about the little fine margins and the things that were coming off last year that don't seem to be coming off so far this year. And Lundstrom's finish on or miss that the keeper saved on Sunday is a, fi- is a great example of that. Four goals he scored last season from a very similar position. And he put it the way that he was facing almost, if that makes sense. So he put it into the, the right-hand corner of the goal as opposed to back across the keeper like he did on Sunday. Four times. But Sunday puts it across the keeper, which is what you're supposed to do if you're a striker. Go back the way it's coming and the keeper saves it. Fine lines. Last year, there's every chance he goes the other way and that goes in. Fine lines in terms of, of um, the injuries that we're, that we're having. All right, Jack O'Connell's a, a major a major miss that we're going to have for the season. We didn't really get any injuries last season, but you say about Ollie McBurney not having a pre-season because he missed most of it through injury. We didn't really have a lot of that last season at all. And these little things just don't seem to be going for us at the moment. And, oh Christ, I hope it turns around soon because we can't have a season of, 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 of all bad luck. It's got to turn at some point. And I know you make your own luck to a degree, but at the minute we don't seem to be getting anything going our way, do we? And that's why losing in the way we did on Sunday was such a kick in the bollock. Because mm. even if we'd not gone on to win the game, I'd, like if we'd had that point on the board, right, we played a very informally inside, we've given them nothing because we did restrict them, in my opinion, to like a lot of half chances and created stuff. 
you can almost then feel the momentum building, even though we've got an incredibly difficult game on Sunday. Um, goals change games, though, don't they? I know it's, it's an old adage, but goals change games. And, and an 88th-minute uh, goal that we've lost to has changed the perspective on how we played. Because, actually, we didn't really play that badly. And we restricted a team that had scored seven goals so far this season to scraps. Yeah, and that was it. They, they, they were long shots from distance, weren't they? You know, they, they didn't have as clear-cut chances that we had. I'm holding some sort of hope to, if you remember Burnley's start when they were in Europe. Yeah, Wolves last season. Wolves, I think this time last season, Wolves were in the bottom bottom four. So, yeah. like, he, he, and we've not had that. But, you know, you, like teams that have done well can then have a bit of a role. I just... I suppose one thing I would say, you'd rather that we're having this run now, this run of things not going our way now, than in April. Yeah, you don't want to be free-falling then, no. equally. No. I, I think the interesting way, and we got in a... Dan and I were in a bit of a discussion with Blaze Analytic on Sunday about this, but obviously he was quite positive about the fact we'd got... We were creating good quality chances, the XG's high. And I guess my concern with that is, you can have a high XG... But if you haven't got, coming back to the quality across, quality of finishing, being as match fit and on it and match sharp, Watford went down. They would it, on XG. They should have stayed up last season. They went down. And yeah. there's always there's. I'm not dismissing statistics or analysis, but there is always someone who will book the trend. And that that worries me at the minute. We look flat at the end as well. And you can't look at and you can't look at you can't look at statistics in isolation. So we might have a you know we might have come out of the game with a higher XG than Leeds, and we might have a good XG over the albeit small sample size of the season. However, if you pull another stat out like chance conversion, again, dead <laughs> last. So yes. there's always there's always you know there can always be one stat to offset the other. Yeah, and that's and that that like you say the timing of that goal as you just said, Phil, it's defined margins. We see out that. Eight minute spell, but we then just looked completely flattened as a team, and it's a huge lifting job again. Yeah, that, I mean that that kicked the stuffing out of us massively. Statistics, you, you can, you, like you say, you can twist them if you want to, any way you want to. But the eye test is something that Blades Analytics talks about as well. And for me, the eye test, United passed on Sunday. I yeah. thought they 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 played pretty well. All right, they lost the game. They didn't create loads, but. There's a lot more positive signs than negative signs for me after after Sunday. Had we not have conceded that goal late on, I think we'd be talking about it in different terms. I really do. But we did, and goals change games and change opinions. So that's that's why we're all flat, and that's why the players were flat afterwards as well. Can we turn it around and talk about some of the positives that we did see in the game? Because I, I do think there were some, and and like negatives, we we said we'd pick one each of a positive before before we started. So, who, who wants to start with a positive? I'll start. Um, still a way to go. But I thought it was much more of an end of Stevens performance and he looked as good as he has for, for quite a long time. And against <clears throat> against a good player who was in form in... Um, the lad they got from Wolves, whose name's just escaped me. Helder... Acosta. Like he'd been banging form in the build-up to the game. Everyone was saying, oh, he's going to do this, that, and the other Costa. And he was dragged off on the hour and they put a kid on. Who also had a couple of shots from um, from distance. And Ender, old man, the, the young lad who did sign from City, I thought he kept showing him inside. 
and just stood him up, didn't commit to him or anything. And that level of defending from Stevens, we're going to need on Sunday um, against Willian and Et al. But like, we can get to that game in a minute. But I just thought, yeah, Ender was a lot better than he has been. I think, I think what helps Ender is that I think, again, predominantly our play is down the right-hand side quite a bit. So I'm not saying it takes him out of the firing line, but it actually meant he could do a good... And, and maybe, you know, you can say he's up against a good player in Costa who made him focus more on that defensive side and didn't get forward, but it meant he did. He had something to do and he did it well. And, and you know, maybe that lack of advance down the left that we perhaps had on Sunday helped him in that defensive respect. Yeah. Oh, oh, I think Osborne probably gave some bit more protection as well. Like, yeah. But yeah, I thought Ender was better. What about you, Dan? Positives? Um, I, my, my positive out of the game on Sunday was was Lundstrom. I thought, you know, he's had a bit of stick this season. You know, I gave him a bit of stick after missing the uh, after missing the penalty. Um, but I thought he's bounced back well since then. I thought actually, even even the, after he missed the penalty against Villa, I thought the rest of the game he did okay. And I thought Sunday, like you said, like you said, Phil, five six times last season he puts that chance away. Uh, but he's got him again. He's the only one of our midfielders that puts himself in that position, and and it's like I think we said at the one of the pods at the back end of last season. If he is to leave, or if he, it doesn't look like it now, but he's going to be tough to replace because we haven't got anyone in the squad who does what he does—a midfielder who gets into the box late, makes a challenge on the individual box, gets in, gets in uh, into goal-scoring positions in our box. And I thought overall, I thought his game was good. He's he, you know his energy levels are good. He's got more legs than anyone else in the middle of the park, and I think we, I think you, at the minute, I think we desperately need him because I think one of the things that's going to get us out of this rut is is work rate, and that's that's certainly one of the, the things you get with Lundstrom before anything else. Yeah, keep... I thought it was one of the better players for United on Sunday. I thought he yeah. had a good game. I think he uh, uh, he seems to have, if that reaction was something to go by anyway, learned by the mistake he made against Wolves. Because when someone was getting away from him on Sunday, he just clipped their heels on the halfway line and took a booking for it, which is probably yeah, he why he got yeah, taken off. But um, and, and I don't mind that taking a booking for for stopping someone the way that he did, rather than diving in and letting him run the length of the pitch. Yeah, I mean the the interesting thing I always say that we look a better side with Norwood in it, but I can I understood the team selection. I was frustrated a little bit, but I under, kind of understood it because we needed those legs to soak it up and then take it. Back onto Leeds on Sunday. Would you, on that basis, Dan? Would you, would you keep the midfield as was against Arsenal, or would you make a change? Uh, right Flex, Flex? Yeah, the only, the only change for me would be if Flex fit. Flex comes in for Osborne, but the other two, I would, I would leave as they are. Um, just kind of segueing slightly. Obviously, Norwood's not started the last two games, and Berger started in that role, and then. I think it was after the Villa game where one of the reporters said to Tufty, "Why have you, made, you know, why did you make the decision to leave Norwood out, put Berger in?" And he said something like, "Because I did." And I just, I mean, I think I put it in the group on Sunday. Are we starting to see the the next evolution? Is this the beginning of the end for Norwood as a as an automatic first name on the team sheet, or is it just he's out of form or he's carrying a knock? What do we think? I think the way Berger played. Um would contribute to that probably being the case because uh, we are a better side with Norwood in it there's no doubt in that the way that he dictates the pace and his his ability on the ball to to pick a pass and, and to put a dead ball in is second to almost no one in the side but 
you can't take Berger out of the side at the minute. He's such a driving force, whether he plays on the right or whether he plays down the middle. You can't take him out. So we either change shape to fit Norwood in it or he's going to struggle to dislodge Berger. Yeah. And that and that was my positive from Sunday was Berger. Yeah. yeah. Just, I can't... It was, it was second half. He, he was down the right. He was in a tight situation. And he, ostensibly, watching on TV, hasn't got pace. But he just pulled away from the challenge. He then went past two of the players, just gliding across the surface. And that ability to... We talked about, you're right, Lundstrom's runs, but it's very much head down, you know, yeah, force of nature kind of thing. Whereas Berger just looks like he's going to shrug players off. He's, you know, he, he can just go past someone without seemingly accelerating, but he's, you know, he is pulling away from them. Um, Did you see someone on Twitter the other day calling him Yaya Norway? That made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, Tom Jones, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but but there are, there is something I, I get that actually. Now you, now you say that, yeah, I, completely, completely, yeah. and and you know. Yeah. I think I'll, 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 I'll like that. Um, to me, just a huge positive at the minute is he, if someone's going to do something, or and, and part of me wants to see him, he picked up the ball on the edge of the box at one point, and I just wanted him to have a shot. And I know it's yeah. not our way, but he's clearly got the ball. It just it opened up, and we end up trying to pass through, um, you know, trying to put a pass in across it. Just sometimes, just we've got that space. Just let him have a go, because like you say, he's, he's to me. I, I said to my dad on Sunday, I said, Berger, in my whatever 30, 40 years, 35, 40 years of going to Bramall Lane, I suspect Berger could be the best footballer I'll watch yeah. in a blade shirt today. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I, I genuinely well, believe that. That's, that's the yeah. only worry. And I think I think if you're saying if if he you imagine if what we've seen from him so far in, in obviously a fairly short space of time if he added eight Premier League goals a season to that to his all-round game and his you know how good he is on the ball and and his awareness and his vision and his his strength you imagine what sort of value you could put on him if yeah. if I think we all I think we all know it's inevitable we'll lose him at some stage but if he added six seven eight Premier League goals a season to what he can already do. Uh, that's a hell of a player we've got in our hands. Yeah, a hell of an asset. We've got him for another four years, contract-wise. So contract-wise, but yeah, yeah, all right. The point I'm trying to make is, with if he does go, we won't be out of pocket. No, right. no. I've, I've, already, I think, I think already as, as it stands now, we should we should at least double our money on him. If someone wanted him now before Monday, we would at least be looking to double our money on him. Mm. And I think if he has, if he carries on this season like he started. I think we should be looking to treble our money on him. That's a hell of a fee, but it's hard to argue. It is hard to argue. I think, though, one thing to say about Berger, to sort of backtrack a little bit to the Norwood thing, a year ago we were talking about how good we would, well we were doing, and one of the key components of that being Norwood and saying he was one of the best midfielders we'd ever seen at United. And I think we need to try to get him back in our side. I didn't speak in the last bit and I just want to reiterate that point and I think against your teams like Arsenal where ball retention is going to be incredibly important we need to have him in the team but that's just me yeah and I I, I, I kind of get that uh, 
the one argument you make is against Leeds, we did let them have a lot of the possession and come and then we hit them on the break. Whereas, like you say, it's a, could be different where we want to hold the ball against certain teams and, and Norwood is key for that. You want to get a bit of that horses for courses. There's, there's yeah. different teams we'll need to play different yeah. ways against, which is which is fair enough. I, I've, I've actually gone for a player as well for my positive. Um, after he's had a bit of stick for, for numerous different reasons, a lot of it unfair, I would say. Um, I thought Aaron Ramsdale had a really good game Sunday. I thought he pulled two or three decent saves off. I thought he looked commanding in the air. It looked like his footwork was good, which is something we talked about last week. Yep. It looks like he's um, reasonably good with the ball at his feet as well. He looks pretty calm under pressure if, if he's got the ball at his feet, which is a modern way of playing football. I think that's I just one area think, initially where he's immediately better than Henderson. I think yeah. he's better with the ball at his feet than Henderson is. And I know that's Definitely. only a small part of being a goalkeeper, but like you say, for a modern keeper, it's a big part. Definitely. And I, I just think that you could take so many positives out of uh, it to, to look for positives out of Sunday. But I think a keeper who could lose confidence quite quickly, getting a bit of stick as he has done, I thought it was good to see him put a good performance in and make a couple of decent saves. He was so close to getting a clean sheet, but obviously, ultimately, he wasn't. Couldn't do anything about the goal at all. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's my kind of one positive I'll take out of Sunday. And he, he probably benefits from no crowd in the gr- crowd in the ground. Because mm. that can't, the thing we talked about, as much as we, like we said, we criticise aspects and the nervousness about his, um, I think I described it as like, he's played like a second or two lag on decisions last week. We talked about his footwork. There's enough people out there who still want to compare it with Henderson, and that kind of grumblings that might have built up it, you know, probably like you say, an overreaction. He's right to have nervous qualms, but actually that would become more more than a murmur with a crowd in the ground, and he's probably benefited in some ways. He's one of the few who might have benefited from an empty stadium in some respects, because the rest of them don't. <laughs> One save he made in the second half, and it was fairly routine. It was a, a kind of long shot from 20, 20, 25 yards, a bit of a daisy cutter, and it just bounced in front of him. And it's one of those where if a keeper's struggling or, or you know, not, not in the greatest bit of form or, or struggling for confidence, it's the sort of thing that instead of gathering it, it's the sort of thing it can spill out and, and someone gets a tap in and he just, he fell on it, gathered it in, no fuss. I agree. He was not, I agree with you, Phil. And I just, you know, it's. He just, we just need to get behind this kid. He's not going anywhere. And I think I, he is a kid still. In goalkeeper terms, he certainly is. And, and Dan, I noticed that as well. And it's a very hard save to make that. Not that I have any clue about goalkeeping, but I'd always imagine falling down onto the ball when it's coming at you with decent pace isn't easy to master. So, yeah, it, it, and it's good. That we've been able to see some positives in in a loss to his Yorkshire rivals. I mean, we probably were prepared for it by Ian's quiz last week when we talked about Leeds winning the league at, at Lent. Yeah, yeah, we haven't told anyone about the quiz that's coming later, have we? Well, no, but that's something for them to enjoy. He's come, Mr. Hans has come back with another shining light of positivity. However, I was actually going to the game at this point, so I'll be able to add some comical insight. Have we all given a positive then? I think we have. We have, yeah. We've managed it. Yeah. One positive. Like say, I, th- I, one think, I think. I don't think I feel any better about it. Uh, well, I, I'm going to stick my neck out. I'm I'm feeling a lot better after 
I feel better after losing to Leeds than I did after losing to Villa, put it that way. I felt better until the Leeds fan decided to return to the office this week of all weeks to come and see me. So that was nice of him. Thank you. Cheers, Mark. <laughs> if he's listening to this, which would be fucking weird. It would be weird, but they're weird. So <laughs> yeah, there's every chance they will be. A member of staff actually said to me this week, did you see the football yesterday? as she uh, totaled off with a Leeds uh, face mask on. Uh, and then I sent an all-staff email saying, can we have unbranded masks uh, among staff, please? Because it's inappropriate. Because that's what we're asking from the children. So as staff, I think it's only right that we follow suit. And that kind of pettiness I can live with. And that's a perfect <laughs> end to this part of the part. I get behind. <laughs> Knee trainers, John. What these? No, mate, I've had them for years. Just got them back from being cleaned. Look really good, don't they? Yeah, really? Is that a thing? Honestly, they look new, mate. They look class. Yeah, it's a thing. Really reasonable, too. Adam done at this place called Glistening Kicks. They're in Sheffield. Fe- fellas are blade, too. Oh, nice one. That says buying new ones, doesn't it? How do I find them? I've got a few pairs I need looking at myself. Absolutely. Save, save me someone who's got a bit of a trader for headship. An absolute fortune. You can get them on social media like most things these days. They're on Twitter at Glistening Kicks and Instagram at Glistening underscore Kicks. Or they have a website, www.glisteningkicks.co.uk. Give them a shout. The process is dead easy. They collect them safely and then drop them back off with you. And if you take them around yourself, that process could be even quicker. Um, they look, feel, and smell like new. And it's I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed and I'm already looking at what pairs I'm going to take down um, next to have him look out for us. Nice one. Cheers for that. I'm going to get on to them straight away. What was their industry again? At glistening underscore kicks. That's the one. Really good service and I couldn't recommend it enough to any blades. Brilliant. Nice one. All the blades. So, uh, welcome back. After uh, after a difficult start this uh, this season, we're uh, looking forward to a, a winnable game this weekend away at Arsenal. So that should be uh, quite fun for us. See uh, see how we go on at the Emirates. What uh, what sort of result do you think we'll be having this weekend? How do you think this will go? Terribly. Terribly. Not, not well. I just think Arsenal look incredibly look dangerous, and someone. I spoke to a Liverpool fan at work who had some wacky ideas about, oh, well, Arsenal did create them chances against Liverpool, but they were all marginally offside, so they didn't actually create any chances. I'm thinking, I'm not really sure. what They carved you open, but because they were a marginal bit offside, that that was part of the defensive plan to let them play through you. Nonsense. I, I just think Arsenal have got players that can cause us problems. They've got pace, they've got power, and they've got options to change it in the game. They've got all the things that we haven't got in the attacking third. And I think we're in for a long afternoon and we need to get anything out of the game. We needed a lot of luck. But throw it another way, we took four points off them last season and controlled them reasonably well through much of those two games. I don't now, know. I know it's a different season and things, but and they, they're, they, a better side. they're a better side, I get that. They're a better side and arguably we're a worse side. We are at the minute anyway. Mm. I think um, 
I don't want to start getting too down about it because I, I do think it's going to be. I didn't try lifting it. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, that's me bringing it back down again. I, I think it'd be very Chris Wilder's Sheffield United to go there and get something. That's one thing I would say. We've we've we come out fighting when his back's against the wall, and and I'm, that's giving me a little bit of hope. And Wilder's not going to take what's happening lying down, and and the, the the players will be right up for it. And it's just a shame we're not there to kind of back them on, which is which is just going to be a, obviously a blight for this season. But yeah, it, it, tough afternoon, I think. I do think out of a lot of the kind of traditional top six sides, Arsenal are one that have always for years you've thought you can get at them. You know, we can get at these. They make mistakes at the back. You know, David Luiz has got one in him. They've got a couple, you know, they'll, they'll probably a new centre-half possibly making his debut. Defensively, I think they can be got at. It's, it's up front where you look at it and you think Lacazette, Aubameyang, um, What's the what's the lad's name that's just got in the England squad today? Daco. Daco, yeah. Um, you look at you look at like yeah. You look at that. It's it's that. So I think they can be got at, but I think going forward, the dangerous. But defensive. We're in the now, Premier League. This is where we wanted to be, isn't it? We're going to come against yeah. dangerous teams. Yeah. I just look at their backline and they this they, they struggled to handle us this last season. You know. Arguably, we could have won at the Emirates. We had a good chance later on with McBurney, uh, a header. We, we you know, the, defensively can be got at, but you're right. I mean, adding adding Willian to them is, to me, just adds a different dimension to them that they just didn't have before. Well, you go, like I said, Willian and Bomian, and if that don't work, you bring on bloody £70 million Pepe, like, and Katie Osaka, like, as Dan said, like, that's that's just ridiculous. I think yeah. the central midfield's not that strong. But it's just it's just a different ball game to what we're playing with. They've got Ozil rotting somewhere at the club, not even making the eighteen. Like it's it's wild really. Um I agree with you, Dan, that we can do things that to them their defence. But I'm more confident in that if we looked like like you know, creating a reasonable amount of chances. What we could do with happening is them to miss a few. And then David Louise to have one, like in about the 75th minute or something like that, to put us one nil up. That'd be that's the sort of how you when we talk about something falling for us, you know, like we've not had a goal gift. When did we last have a goal gifted to us by opposition being absolutely shy? Could do with all those things. We basically the stars need to align for us for me to get something out of the game. I think key player for me on Sunday for us. Now he's got some minutes under his belt. I think he's Burke. Because I think last season, I think Moose frightened him to death. Power, pace, direct running. Obviously, Moose is not fit. The only other forward we've got who fits that bill is Burke. Big, quick, fast, direct. I think if he's got enough minutes under his belt to actually you know, go, go at, at full tilt for 80 minutes, I think he could cause him some problems. I would agree. Mm-hmm. They're there to be a little bit bullied, you know, get a little bit of pacing behind them. Part of me, part of me would think about McBurney and Burke yeah. and just give Burke something to feed off a little bit. And, you know, it might be a flick on behind or whatever, but just something that he can we can unleash. Someone, someone to kind of get in the face of Holding or Louise, win the headers and then the pace to go in behind them. Who would you play at the back for us? Would you stick with the 
you know, we, Egan's obviously available again. How would you reshuffle it? I think Egan will probably come back in, but that's asked for Ampadu because I thought he had a really good game. I think Ampadu plays on the left hand side. I really do. Maybe. I, I think thought he was left foot. If Bill not fit, sorry, I think if O'Connell's fit, I think Ampadu possibly keeps his place. But I think it's asking a lot for us to miss two out of our three kind of mainstay centre backs and put an 18 year old in the centre of that and expect him to kind of hold it together. For for a with for a long period of time, you mean? Yeah, think, yeah. yeah. For, for for a game, I thought he did a, did admirably the other day, and and I said earlier, I thought Robinson had a really good game as well. But yeah, apart from losing his man for the goal, but um, yeah, you could be right, John. You could be right. He might well play on the left. I I thought he'd play him on the left. It was interesting the comment, wasn't it? That you know Robinson can't play there all season. Need to bring someone in. Suggested he wants someone who'll come in and and go straight into the first team. Was that way I read that? And, oh, the, the and I guess Robinson's a Dutch international, isn't he? Get the talking about. Hmm? Yeah, he's injured, isn't he, at the minute? Right. That's part of the issue, I think. I read this week. Well, Ampadu possibly could play there because we don't... The overlapping centre-halves, even though that's what we're famous for, it's not as big a thing now as it was two seasons ago. You don't mm. see O'Connell flying forward, bursting into the box, coming, coming outside Stephen, setting chance after chance up. So it's not as... It's not as, as important yeah. to have a natural left footed centre half in there. I know I know Tufty likes the balance, but in terms of actually Ampadu doing a job there from a defensive point of view, I'm sure he, I'm sure he'll be fine. Coming back to the earlier point as well, if you flick the formation round, maybe like you say, that's whether Sunday's the game to do it, but at some point we might need to look at, at the shape and if that means switching it at the back, that'll be, you know, it's an interesting decision to reach at some point. Whether it's I enforced. think if we did if we did change that, I think that's Basham that drops out because I think you'll yeah. see Egan and Ampadu play centre halves. Yeah, but Basham in a back four in the Premier League would have me yeah. twitching it. I think. Yeah, agreed. So that was nice and positive. Score yeah. predictions. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm going to go first. I I I think um, I think United are going to surprise us and pull a draw out of the hat. One one. Given you were right last week, I'll happily take you being right again, Phil. And apologies for being right last week. <laughs> I desperately I des- don't want to be right. Uh, I'm going to say 4-1 Arsenal. I, I worry, I'm still not sure. Although I think Arsenal could be got at, I'm just not feeling comfortable where the goal's coming from. I think 2-0 Arsenal. I think we'll lose. I think we'll lose 3 now. If they get an early goal, I just, that's how I feel at the moment. Bring me sunshine in your smile. Make me laugh. <laughs> oh, well, that was a bit of a mood hoovering section, wasn't it? Well, let's get on to the quiz next, Ian, which you put together for us again, which reflects on a previous trip to Arsenal, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool, let's talk about that then in the next section.
welcome back to part three of this week's pod brought to you by Prozac, keeping you smiling all day long. Um, you've got the option, you see, we could have been watching a Harold Shipman documentary tonight, to be honest, which might have been a cheerier fair than what we're managing here, but hopefully you're all listening, you've not... Uh, we didn't want to the hide blades, did we, so... Yeah. <laughs> um, just, you know, make sure you've obviously still keeping away from the sharp objects, because I'm about to do the quiz. And um, after last week's remembrance of the uh, match where Leeds won the title, Mel Reese played his last game for United. Um, I went back to a match that I went to, and I think John, you went, to, you were saying you went to as well. Um, oh, yeah. When when a, a United side actually that we thought was quite good in the Championship at the time, and uh, had you look down the team, had lots of promise, went to Arsenal for a League Cup tie, and promptly got Dick six 0 and so, so the Sporkle quiz this week that we'll be tweeting out is, can you name the 14 players of either side who got on the pitch that night? And it's probably worth mentioning at this point, this was, I think, one of the youngest sides Arsenal had ever put out, average age of about 19, with a 16-year-old midfielder on the score sheet. So um, plenty of players to go at. And some um, that went on to have decent careers in that Arsenal side. Still yeah, playing quite a few, still playing and still having decent careers, some of them. Yeah. Some less so. I, I found it really interesting. Like you said, there's some, some there who, you know, I, I, all I remember that night is, and John, you might cast some memories in, the way Arsenal just played around us that night. It, yes, it was, yes, it was youth and exuberance, but the quality of football, it, it was actually, it was embarrassing given the experience we had on the pitch that night. Well, I mean, right. Well, let's go through the players. Um, I, I did quite well on this. I think I got, yeah, I got sixty-four percent. I couldn't spell Aaron Ramsey's name, and that's why I didn't get him. Otherwise, it'd have been a bit more. But our side, we lined up with Kenny in there. Now, at the time, but the back four was arguably, until recent times, like the most solid back four we had in the championship in many ways. It had a bit of everything, like. Naismith, Kilgallen, Morgan and Halford that season were bang on. I mean, I think it was a universal thing for a few transfer windows, up until recent memory, actually, that every time we needed anyone at right-back or centre-back or up front, everyone was like, what's Greg Halford up to? I'd have Halford back. Like, a universally popular player with United. I, I don't know what you three think, but I think Halford was always, like, it's always been looked upon favourably by United fans. Um, Morgan... Yeah, did well when they were down there, didn't they? And then, then Morgan, Kilgallen and Naismith. Naismith, for me, probably until recently, is one of the best left-backs I've ever seen for United. Mm. Solid. Yeah. He might, he might not have been particularly glamorous going forward, but as a defender, he was outstanding. Seven out of ten, week in, week out, weren't they? Mm, yeah. And then we had David Cottrell watching the ball go over his head. I was, I was like Cottrell. I so always thought Cottrell were good. I thought he was another one that were at, that was criminally wrecked and wasted by Blackwell. Hundred percent with you on that, Dan. Too exciting. He got your pocket seat. This is yeah. Blackwell who thought Nathan Dyer had no Premier League winner. Nathan Dyer had no future in football when we had him on loan. Despite starting him all the games when he was on my own, and he scored in two of them, but yeah. not good enough. Not got a future at this. Not got a future at this level. Does he you not? mean Premier League winner Nathan Dyer? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, he won it at Leicester, didn't he? Yeah. Um, 
and then speeding Quinn and Monty in midfield. Monty running around, not doing an awful lot, but that's my controversial United opinion. We can talk about a different day. Um, obviously, Gary Speed, we know he's about, and uh, Stephen Quinn beat Ian Webber. So that is a starting 11. Results are, are that side at its strongest. And I know... That's, that's a top four, top six championship starting 11. Yeah. At that time, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You should, I mean... They should, they should go to a game like that against that side with a degree of confidence yep. that, that they can get something. And and talking about some of the Arsenal players in that side, like you say, you've got, I think Jack Wilshere made his, de- his debut. Yeah, um, at 16. At 16, yeah. Carlos Vela, I remember, clearly can remember Carlos Vela scoring. He was only 17, 18, something like that. Yeah. People like Gibbs was 16, 17. There, there was a really, really young side. And then to, to turn us over the way they did and Dickers 6-0 was, I guess, it like was a sign of how good that's, those players were going to go on to be, wasn't it? Well, I see you look down that team and actually the Arsenal side, there's only one that I can't think of, when, and I could get this wrong, and someone correct me if I haven't, there's only one I think didn't really go on to have a career that I can actually think of, and that's Randall. Well, I think, who's still uh, his age group was highly rated, but I think like Colchester. Colchester rings yeah. a bell for him, something like that. But so he's, he's obviously had a professional career. Mm. I mean, which height was it? Was it Justin or Gavin? Gavin. I think I it was, think. Yeah. I mean, neither of them sparkled, did they? And they got passed around. Yeah. They got passed around like a, a cigarette at a student party, like like aspirational clubs, like got Middlesbrough written all over, man. But like, do Giroud? Do Giroud? How do you say it? Yeah. Giroud. Yeah. Uh, obviously went on. Alex Song, when he left Arsenal, went to Barca. To Barcelona. Yeah. Yep. Gibbs, obviously, until he got sent off, he's he's always he's he's been in that bomb side a while now. But Gibbs has always been pretty solid. Uh, Ramsey. Ramsey's bossing it for Juventus at the minute. He's he's really coming to his own this early early season form at Juventus. Has he been back inside? That I didn't know. Uh, that. Yeah, he's playing well. Set. Um, I think first game of the season he set. Set two up. Good player, even, even Wilshire, if he wasn't a professional hospital, um, yeah, if he he'd, 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 he'd have played 60, 70 games for England, I would have thought. If he didn't like cigarettes, beer, and yeah, and going to GP, yeah. The biscuits. Who's the Merida? San Merida. San Merida, Spanish he's kid. Got, again, gone on to play various clubs in La Liga, a decent career. Went to Atletico Madrid, I think, from, from Arsenal. Bentner. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Lord yeah. Bentner. Who's, this? Who's Simpson? Is that is that Jay Simpson? Jay yeah, again, he were one of them that a lot of clubs... But the thing is, you team players that are on the fringe, no matter if they're Man U, Arsenal, or any club, that then go on to... I think Simpson settled at Orient eventually. I think right. he might have been involved in the side that um, Justin Edinburgh, when they got him back up into the league, I think he might have been one of the season pros there. End of the day, if these lads go on to like make a career out of football, like, you know, they've done okay. Uh, there's, there's a player on our bench, which uh, probably best not to mention who came on. <laughs> is, is, that, is that the one that we did the loan swap deal for future Premier League, future Premier League winner Nathan Dyer? 
I don't. Oh, good question. I think we did actually. We went to Southampton on loan and we got Dyer on loan as a part of loan swap, but we never That's made right. either of them got made permanent. That's right. You're right there, Dan. That's a memory. Am I getting, am I getting confused? No, you, you, you're right. Who are we talking about here? Jordan Robertson. Went to Southampton, did he? Went to Southampton on loan as part of the deal that we brought Nathan Dyer on loan. Wow. When, oh, that would have been when they were in League One. Yeah, that was 2000. No, it was 2008. Went to Southampton on loan. Well, that must have been when he was driving a lot. Moving <laughs> swiftly on. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, like you said. I the, mean, I said don't mention him, but bloody <laughs> hell, fire. Can I, mention, can I mention someone else who had uh, equally problematic? My, my evening, so that my memories, I got, we got on the bus from Bramall Lane that day, and I think it was the day there was some sort of an announcement about the Tevez thing, because Look North got an hour bus to do some interviews. So I ended up on Look North, even though I didn't see it. Talking about, I don't know if it was the, the court case or the Premier League appeal or whatever. But then, having gone to the Emirates, being wowed, actually, thinking, because obviously at the time the Emirates was reasonably new, it was looked amazing, the stadium. We then go in, I'm sat on the front row and there's the cordon of stewards between us and the Arsenal fans. So the last place you want to be when your team are getting dicked by a bunch of kids is right next to the Arsenal fans. And just across the opposite side of the aisle in the front row was Joe Swash, who at the time I think was in EastEnders. So he was just copying, for the first bit, he was just copying pelters. Hang on, Dan, Dan's got his hand raised. Who's Joe Swash? Did he win the jungle as well? He's just some squeaky voice thing that Actor, cockney oh, okay. little thing, irritant. I'm just googling Joe Swash. Is he the, the acting equivalent of Thrush? <laughs> no. Right, John, show me a picture of him. Not got a clue who he is. Well, he's he married to Stacey Solomon. If that helps. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I stay, if I say who's that, was <laughs> this other match? Me, this match was sound really old, but who's that? Uh, similarly, was on Jungle and won X Factor or something like that once upon a time. Yeah. Famous yeah. for being famous. Well, Adam, our wheelhouse here. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. Stop Stacey Solomon, Google. Stacey Solomon shares clever hack to hide your pipes as she transforms her sister's cupboard. He's, she's going to hide my pipes. Stacey Solomon likes hiding pipes. <laughs> <laughs> Someone sell your swash. Uh, <laughs> Stacey Solomon reveals unreal way she serves her son's cereal. Right, the internet's broken. <laughs> In a calendar. Anyway, all, all I know is he caught pelters from all the United fans okay, for yeah. so long. Sorry for segueing that, sorry. And no, no. And, but all I just got was his gurning little face just waving like six fingers at us. On two hands, to be fair. It wasn't on one hand. But he He's kept waving bad, six, six at us for the last period of the match, just absolutely gloating. I mean, he took it well, but just, yeah. Don't want to be sat next to your away fans and not when you've wound someone up for enough to just give your pelters back. I think we saw that bloody, bloody period of time looking over and seeing Blackwell getting really irate and then Ellis trudging around looking like BFG. Like, just... <laughs> BBC as the, as, the, uh, as the player. They called him BBC on eyes and ears at the time, the players. They said all he did was put bibs, balls and cones out and they called him eyes and ears because they said he does no coaching. All he does is just spy and then run back to Blackwell and, gra and grass on players. He, he, they talk about him. There's quite a few players have talked about him on, under the cosh, isn't there? 
saying yeah. the same thing. Not necessarily United, United players as well. A lot of like black. I don't. No one's gone on. Like the nicest thing somebody says about Blackwell is, "You were okay." No one's ever like, "Oh yeah, transformative in my career." What would be interesting to hear what like Kyle Norton and players thought about him, obviously bringing him through. I can always remember we there was a game on telly away at Barnsley, and he took Kyle Norton off. And Kyle Norton's reaction was he looked at looked at the bench, looked at the floor, looked up and went fucking prick. And I just thought that'll do for me. <laughs> yeah. And like uh, there was that story that like he would tell having to go uh, Billy Sharp like uh, when when he was playing at wing and went in after the match and he tore into Sharp and beat. He stood up and said, "What you want about? You told everyone to kick ball over his head. What's he meant to do? You fucking idiot!" And then like. That was, and I always, most unsurprising under the Kosh episode, ex-player, when Glenn Little was on. And he, he just said, it's like, no disrespect to Matt United at all, but he goes, oh, well, he fucking turned him down. You've got a fucking non-league goalkeeper trying to say that's a fucking play football. Well, that ain't fucking work, did it? <laughs> <laughs> How many caps did Glenn Little get for Australia? <laughs> I thought Joe Swash was in charge. I thought I'd guess David took an Australian footballers. I guess I guess David Carney for the list. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I had a bash at David Carney several times and it weren't having it. I, I thought I'd done a fill. I thought I'd read it wrong because I kept putting Carney and it kept saying no. Hey, that's one positive. I got marginally a better score than I did last week when I read the question <laughs> what, wrong. What did you get, Phil? So John got. I'm guessing from doing the quick calcs, John got about 18 out of uh, the 28. What I did got you 10. get? I got 10. I got eight United players, two Arsenal players. Ten, yeah. 10 for me as well. Nine, nine and one for me. And the only Arsenal player I got was Bentner. <laughs> so, just uh, just looking outside, um, Paul McDonald, usually pretty sure on this, he got 10 blades and four Arsenal players. So, he was, he was disappointed with that, but he described it as a blurry period of his life. <laughs> That's been <laughs> since he started drinking, to be fair. Yeah. And uh, Chops, friend of the pub, sometime contributor, got 18 as well. So, seven me. I thought he'd got higher than that. Yeah, that would have been a period of time he used to probably write him up with a book or something. He didn't need to. We used to call him Rain Man, Dan, yeah, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> so, look, I suppose it's it's an interesting look back at a time when I guess we had a bit more optimism about visiting Arsenal. Um, unfortunately, it was unfounded. So let's hope that the lack of optimism this time is equally unfounded. At least none of us have predicted six 0 for Sunday. John I've got to be honest, off. I had more of a laugh in that section than I expected to do, so <laughs> cheers. Hey, yeah, well, there's some good memories from the Blackwell period about just how ridiculous it was in a lot of ways. Could be summed up by getting a bag of money and just setting it on fire. Or maybe get conduct an interview with Leon Britton about those 12 months he had in Sheffield now. Let's have a look at it. Might get it. Like, anyway, is, he on, is he on Twitter? Can we get him on? That'd be entertaining. <laughs> I don't know if that's. I don't know if there's going to be much appetite for Leon Britton interview. Yeah, I, I had to go and see a specialist because my neck was hurting because the ball was flying over my head constantly. <laughs> anyway, that was funny and uh, much more fun than we predicted. Most most fun you can have discussing a six nil loss anyway.
Okay, well, we're back for the final uh, farewell. We're not going to do a Hall of Fame or we're not going to do a Club 1867. I mean, I think we finished on a fairly positive bit then. I'm sure we're all going to be uh, watching the game on Sunday. Where are you planning on watching it, Ian? In my front room with a beer. Might start early. <laughs> what time? <laughs> it feels like... I don't know, yeah. It depends... Depends what time I come back in from a run and whether I bother coming back from my run. Just keep running, I might do a forest gum. I'm going to say that, like, I think, after, I think what we need to do to start enjoying the games is we need to adopt the sort of level of drinking slash times of drinking that you would with these games. So Arsenal away, two o'clock kickoff on a Sunday, you'd be on the train or the bus at eight, probably crack a can, no later than nine. So... Especially with all those new varieties of Jai Paul coming out, some Sunday could be dangerous if they're out in time. But yeah, absolutely. I wear my Jai Paul socks they come with as well. Thomas, you've got to send us some free beer soon. We promote the cross side. Yeah, they get enough offers, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send us some free beer, Thomas, you bastards. Dan, where are you watching the game? Uh, it'll be. I'll be watching it in the front room whilst tiling the fireplace. I mean, that, could that be more middle-aged? Uh, no, maybe, maybe instead, I'm, if I get done in time, I might treat myself to a, I don't know, a, a nice Horlicks, but why do you be drinking? sparkling water, something like that. Yeah. How many, how many minutes before a tile crashes through the flat screen? <laughs> I dread to think. I'm going to have a nice cloudy lemonade if I get done in time. Um, what about you, Phil? Yeah, well, I'm absolutely not going out this Sunday like I did last Sunday and ended up missing my tea and ended up in Barry's Bar until stupid o'clock. I don't know what quite how that happened, but um, I'm not doing that again. So I will be being a good boy this weekend and sitting at home and watching it. Sounds good. I'm watching are it. You, John, are you going? I'm watching it in Balham in London uh, in a pub uh, that I booked because going out on a Sunday uh, with your missus for a bit of lunch. And that now turns into what can only be described as a military operation. So when I'm Ballon's not quite close to Woolwich, isn't it? Yeah, it's like well, Arsenal territory. No, kicked out on Sunday. I've just gone. Uh, I've just gone through the roof. It's no, it's west. It's West London. So Southwest London, isn't it? I'll be all right. Um, I'm. I mean, I'm. What could possibly go wrong with me in a pub if it's full of Arsenal fans when I've had a few beers? on a Sunday afternoon if United are doing well. I don't I'm, know, could you record it if it does? Yeah. I'm, I'm quiet and I'm reserved and I won't get too into the game, especially if it's a bad decision. I'll just take it all in my stride. You've always been reserved, especially in West London pubs, John. Always. Right. Thank you very much, lads, for a cathartic experience as always. Um, I know everyone's in, looking forward to the game. We certainly aren't but maybe we are I don't know Phil is Ian probably will say that he isn't he is and he might be me and Dan not so much but you know we'll be watching it anyway I hope the fireplace goes well Dan I hope you don't end up in Barry's bar Phil and Ian don't start drinking too early we've been the four blades and it's been good to do this and I hope you enjoyed listening to it and uh, we'll speak to you sometime soon see you later Up the blades Oh, the bloody blades. If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. 
And if you don't have a song, you may as well not put the over on. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to find me Murray, right. Well, I'd say Peroni as well.